Saratoga Lights presents Little Bull Weevil. Dorothy Allen didn't take too kindly to being woken up by a phone call at 2.32 in the a.m. Didn't matter that it was the hospital calling to inform her that her husband had fallen ill and was admitted for emergency surgery moments ago. She made sure to tell that poor receptionist that it was bad manners to call after night. And yet, in spite of her perturbed state, Dorothy loved her husband and drove to the hospital to be with him. The doctor couldn't pinpoint exactly what had precipitated Wendell's arrival to the emergency room, but assured Dorothy that the surgery relieved pressure on his brain and didn't see any reason why he couldn't be going home in a day or two. Once home, however, Dorothy noticed a slight, subtle change in her husband. Wendell no longer smiled. At first she thought it was all in her head, but as the days passed she realized that nary a grin appeared upon his face, toothed or otherwise. She would ask him what he remembered from that night in Odessa, but all he could offer was a plain, I don't know, Dottie. Wish I did. And though Wendell told his boss that he'd be back at work tomorrow, tomorrow kept turning into the day after and the day after turned into the day after that. He never stepped foot in his office again. You ever see a bull weevil? Dorothy looked across the living room at her husband, sitting in his naga-hide recliner and staring away into nothingness, confused by his question. Tiny little critter lays its eggs way down in the cotton. Dorothy demurely shook her head and offered an apologetic smile. Wendell, Weevil, it kinda rhymes. We got a full-blown infestation here, but most people don't even know. On the outside, you got a healthy-looking crop. Nothing but smiles and sunshine. That poor farmer's crops are dead long before his eyes even take notice. By two weeks after the accident, Wendell had all but given up on a return to normalcy opting instead to lie in repose upon his recliner and stare at the television in the corner. I want you to hit the streets, and I want you to put some cheeks in those seats, okay? I don't care how you do it. I don't want to know. Don't be afraid to use your body. Dorothy would turn on his favorite program in the hopes of breaking him from his anodonic state, but his face remained expressionless, whether the television was on or not. When the broadcast would end, Wendell would sit and watch the test pattern all night, its specific hearts droning on and on into the wee hours of the morning. When she would cover him with a blanket or bring him his coffee, she noted the emptiness behind his eyes as he would say, Thanks. Void of any inflection or emotion. As is often the case, people in the small community began to wonder about Wendell Innocently at first, but more and more questions turned into insinuations, turned into accusations, growing more fantastical in nature. And though the gossip, whispered as it were, would land upon Dorothy's ears from time to time, she paid it no mind, instead resolving to hold her head high in the presence of these old, slandering hags, though she was not above name-calling and uttering curses under her breath. More time passed, and Dorothy's concern grew greater. 
Wendell had stopped bathing, no longer practiced the most rudimentary elements of personal hygiene, and had even developed bed sores along his backside. Yet he did nothing to prevent nor relieve them. It was only by chance that Dorothy had noticed them when she decided to surreptitiously change his blankets while he slumbered. She asked his doctor for help, who offered to put him on a mild mood stabilizer, but Wendell would have to consent to the treatment for it to be prescribed. Dorothy begged and pleaded with Wendell to get help, or in the least to let her help him, but he simply ignored her, expressionless. So she yelled and screamed and cried, calling him various names in the hope of eliciting any response from the man. As she finished her faux vitrolic spew with, You no longer satisfy my heart. He snarled and bit her on the forearm like a rabid dog. His response came in the most unexpected manner for Dorothy, who jumped back in fright, not even registering the pain radiating from her arm. You never did. The words were spoken void of any emotion, but Wendell's face raged with an unquellable anger. The sores on his back had ripped open and left chunks of flesh clinging to the nagahide, festered with sweat and disease. By the time she caught her breath and looked down at her arm, blood dripping from the jagged bite mark, she realized the truth of the matter. As much as she loved her husband, and she loved him so, Dorothy could no longer abide this man. She didn't stay around much longer, nor could Wendell have expected it of her. She could love him without living with him, so Dorothy did. She moved into her parents' house for the time being and tried her best to move on with her life. Her parents would inquire and ask questions about what was going on in her marriage, specifically with Wendell, as they too heard the same rumors around town. But Dorothy would offer them no satisfaction of their queries. She remained silent on the matter. It wasn't until months later that she received a curious phone call from the electric company informing her that they had shut off service to her former marital address for non-payment. She tried calling Wendell, but getting no answer, decided to go by the old house and check in on him. The once familiar home where they built a life together looked almost unrecognizable on the outside, dilapidated and deteriorating at an alarming rate with an unkept yard and old mail piled up on the front porch. Dorothy entered the unlocked house and was immediately hit with the warm stench of death emanating from somewhere deep inside the dark, muggy abode as she tried to get her bearings. Her kitchen, once vibrant and full of life, was now covered with dirt and grime. The tiled countertops appeared to be coated with a tough skin-like substance, dripping with sweat that eventually would puddle in the various divots and crevices along the surface. She looked down at the floor and noticed the same squishy substance below her feet, apparently growing throughout the house like some kind of unchecked botanical nightmare. Dorothy cautiously followed the path to the living room to the fountainhead of that strange, swampy coating and looked on in horror at the sight of the recliner, its once pristine nagahide now dripping upon the floor with her husband still in repose atop it, swallowed by the fake leather and fused to the altar. 
Wendell looked over to Dorothy, his eyes being one of the only remaining parts of his body able to move independently, however slightly, and remained as disinterested in her presence as the last time they had been in this room together. You remember the weevil? Yeah, Wendell, I remember. Uh, I heard some little town erected a monument to them a couple decades ago. A marble statue of the bull weevil. Like it's a blessing from God. <laughs> Maybe it's God himself. I don't know. The words struggled to escape Wendell's lips, forcefully expelled between his slow, rhythmic gasps for breath, as his chest struggled to expand beneath the layers of manufactured upholstery. The skin throughout the house would expand and contract in kind, shaking the ground beneath Dorothy's feet. Her husband, once seated at the head of the table in her heart, now was seated at the altar of this monstrosity, feeding its parasitic bond with each passing moment. All Dorothy could do was cry. Wendell, however, smiled. People have a funny way of making peace with their destruction. Lil Bull Weevil is written and directed by Randall LaRue. Audio recording and engineering by Matthew David Rudd. Music by Randy Reynolds. Narrated by St. Michelle Hilton. Until next time.